All right, guys. This is the first episode of Enemy Territory for the 2023 Packers season. I'm super stoked about doing this this year. Uh, this this summer, I was just kind of refining, you know, the Stallion Sports Network page and trying to really find my niche in the sporting world community. And that niche being, you know, I am a Packers fan from Chicago. And that is far and a few, uh, if you guys know about the biggest and arguably old, or not arguably, sorry, it should have been arguably biggest and the oldest rivalry in almost all the sports, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers go way back. So yes, it's, uh, it's very you know niche of me to be a Packers fan from Chicago. And with that being said, that's why the podcast is called Enemy Territory. So what I'm going to be doing kind of every week is just breaking down what the Packers need to do to win the upcoming game on the schedule, on the slate, uh, breaking down, you know, post game, you know, what did we do wrong? What did we do right? As well as having some live commentary, tweeting and live streams uh, going on during Packers games. So you'll get my live reactions and all that. But today's episode, the being the first episode is going to be my five takeaways from camp, from preseason. What did I think about this team? What kind of surprised me? What um, kind of reassured me? Uh, and then the three keys, the three keys to our season being successful. And some of these keys, yeah, you might say are kind of generic and, you know, Maybe you might say you could say that for every single team if they want to win games, but I'm going to explain why in, in the Packers case, they really do ring true. And, and if we can just focus on those things, the talents there, everything else will take care of itself. But with that being said, guys, super stoked to get this started. So the first takeaway that I had from camp from preseason was I have confidence in the quarterback room. And that's not just in Jordan Love. But Sean Clifford, who's been a very, very nice surprise as a fifth-round draft pick from Penn State. Now, let's get back to Jordan Love. Jordan Love is ready to play. I saw it from the first preseason game to the second to the third. He just looked so in control. He looked like he knew where he was going with the ball. His progressions were clean. The mechanics were there. Everything that I saw, I was very, very impressed. And, you know, a lot of people might dog and be like, oh, well, you know, he's going up against twos or, you know, this is preseason. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. But this is also a guy that has not played in the entire preseason. I don't think since he's been in the league. Now, I know that being the backup of Aaron Rodgers, that meant, yes, you're going to play in preseason. But last year, I believe he was injured. And the year before, and you know, there's other circumstances about who our backup was, who it wasn't, right? So, this was really the first year where he could kind of get his feet wet every single game, get out there with the ones, feel, get a rhythm, you know, kind of get some confidence building with these new targets uh, that we added in the offseason through the draft, as well as the second year guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. But yeah, I just thought that he was in complete control. And, and that was the one thing too, that taking with the defense was giving him, not trying to make something out of nothing. You know what I mean? That's what I really stood out to me was that Jordan wasn't trying to force anything. He was going to take what the defense was giving him and take it easily. So with that, you know, the playmakers that we have, the, the schematics of Matt LaFleur's offense, I believe trying to get these playmakers out in space is going to be making Jordan's job a lot easier just to kind of take what he's given and he did exactly that. And I'm not saying that he can't, you know, 
make some magic plays or anything like that. He definitely has the talent to. But I thought the composure and the just maturity, if that's the right word, of him just, you know, not trying to make nothing out of something. Sorry, I got to stop my little my thing here. Zoom just tried to open up on me for some reason. They're always watching, guys. Um, but yeah, let's get over back to Sean Clifford. You know, like I said, very, very nice surprise. Played very well. Aggressive. A lot of people were dogging on him at Penn State. Fifth round pick for the Packers this year. I thought, you know, if Jordan does go down or something happens where Jordan's not playing well, which is not going to happen, but um, yeah, if, if that was the case, I do believe Sean can come in there with the ones and we would still be viable to try and win every single week. And that's also a testament to the rest of the talent around every other position on the team. But I was thoroughly impressed with Sean Clifford and just his gunslinger mentality uh, and just kind of really just popping at certain preseason games. Um, but yeah, basically, end of the story, Jordan Love is ready to play. He is 100% ready to play, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Y'all going to see in week one. You're all going to see in week one what I'm talking about when he rips off three tutties against the poor, poor Bears defense. Uh, but moving on to my number two takeaway from camp and preseason, our front seven looks ferocious. I think it was the Patriots game where it really stood out to me, but I just was watching not only the defensive line get pressure from the middle, but the edge rushers and the amount of talent that we have outside of Rashawn Gary, who we had missed pretty much all damn season last year with that ACL tear. Now he's going to be coming back, but we've just got talent on talent on the outside, whether that's Preston Smith, whether that's rookie Lucas Van Ness, second-year player Kingsley and Igbari. I mean, these guys are big. They're strong. They can use power moves. They can use, you know, finesse moves. And there's no telling, really, the um, the ceiling for this front seven. I, I just think if they play with this ferociousness, this aggressiveness, they've got veteran leadership from, you know, Kenny Clark and Devondre Campbell to, the, you know, like I said, the youthful budding talent in Kingsley, Kingsley and Ingbari and Devontae Wyatt. I mean, this front seven, if it plays fast, aggressive, and as one unit, it could be as good as anybody in the league. And and that's saying something, you know. I, I Maybe it's a biased take. Maybe it's not. But I went to camp one day, mind you, one day, and I was about 20 feet away from that defensive line group. And I was just watching them do a hands drill. And every single one, man, I mean, just moving with speed, precision. You could see Kenny Clark, right, being the best of the bunch. But you could also see these other guys, like, they've got some, some talent. And, you know, through the depth of that line, I think is where the strength is going to be. Because if one of the top guys does go down, we've got other guys who can step up and play. Um, but yeah, I just thought that this front seven, man, it just, I hadn't been around really for a Packers defense outside maybe that Super Bowl year that with Aaron Rodgers that I felt this strongly about our front seven. I really think that this is the year that we're going to make our stamp um, Quay Walker, Devontae Campbell being in the middle, you know, the starters were Sean Gary, Preston Smith, but also having your nice 1A pass rushers and Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley and Igbari. Um, and then that defensive line, you know, led by Kenny Clark. And you got Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. Um, there's a couple other guys that really, really stood out to me. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on their names right now. I think one was uh, Colby Wooden. 
or something. I could be messing up his name. Uh, and, and then there was another guy uh, who's also really, really good. They're both rookies. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull them up right now on the depth chart here because it's really bothering me now that I don't know their names. Let's see here. Packers depth chart. They really, they really, oh, Carl Brooks. Okay, so Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden. Yes, so those were the two other guys that did make the team that were on the defensive line. I thought even them being the fourth and the fifth guys on the D-line, especially in the depth chart or whatever, I still thought that they popped. They popped. So that just is like, damn, like, you know, we haven't had depth like that, like I said, in a while. And if, if we can play, like I said, aggressive and as one unit up front, that's only going to make everything easier, easier for our secondary led by one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And we have a whole bunch of other talent back there as well. So this defense could really come together as one. And that was something that, you know, I kind of knew going into camp that we have talent. But, you know, when are we going to put it together? And it really felt like in this slate of preseason games that we finally figured it out and put it together. And like, you know, I said in the in the segment or the takeaway before with the confidence in the quarterback room. Yeah, all, all this is predicated off of preseason play, off of camp, right? But what else do I have to judge from that? From what else am I looking at? You know what I mean? So... I think it's totally, uh, you know, you could take something out of it. It's n not everything is going to be taken out of it, though. You need to see some proof in the pudding. And, and hopefully we see that week one against the Bears. Um, moving on to my third takeaway from camp and preseason, the plentiful amount of weapons on offense. Now, already, you know, having Christian Watson, already having Romeo Dobbs, yes, those guys are coming to year two, and they have definitely shown a leap of growth, in my opinion, from rookie year to year two, right? But adding Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave this summer, you know, both very fast and explosive, but you add that to what we've got in, in Watson and Dobbs, and it's like, okay, like, even though these two guys are rookies in Reed and Musgrave, they are super, super smart football players, and they play fast. You know, that's the one thing that I believe Jordan Love was saying about Jaden Reed. You know, he has been able to speed up his game just by knowing where to go. And, and I think that in itself, becoming comfortable in the offense, is a huge, huge tell to say, okay, I think this guy's going to be pretty much involved this year. You know, whether it might be as the number three wide receiver— that slot position is super important, and it's going to be utilized. And and Musgrave, who has been targeted a whole bunch throughout camp, whole bunch throughout the preseason, it looks like they're going to have an emphasis on trying to really target him in the receiving game as well. So you pair those two guys, two smart football players, two fast, explosive football players, with the Watson and the Dobbs connection, right? The duo of, of their year two growth and development. And then let's not forget, right? We've got arguably the best running back duo in the league with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So so we've got a plentiful amount of weapons on offense. And I'm talking, you know, not just speed. I'm talking about force. I'm talking about size. You know, just big dudes. You know what I mean? They can move their weight around like an AJ Dillon, like a Luke Musgrave. Or you can get the shifty, you know, smaller guys like Jaden Reed or just guys that fly like Christian Watson. So I just think we've got a lot of different types of weapons, and we've got a lot of them. So I think that's super, super exciting uh, from an offensive perspective. And if I'm Matt LaFleur, you know, I'm getting giddy at, you know, Saturday night just thinking, you know, 
Oh man, I can't wait until that they we bust this play out and you know Christian Watson goes for seventy five or you know Jaden Reed's got a catch and run for fifty yards. Like I'm excited just as much as I'm sure Matt Lafleur is about having all these guys to schematically get them open and just give them the ball and let them do work. So yeah, I think that I mean and that's not only gonna help Jordan Love, but it's gonna also help our defense. You know, just having that threat that you know we can have one play and and it be to the house i think that helps our defense a lot and just the respect of like you know they're they don't feel like they're responsible of kind of carrying this team you know the offense we've got a lot of talent too and we can show it hopefully uh on a consistent basis uh number four takeaway secondary is super deep man and i know i had mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the front seven being ferocious but the secondary is deep. Um, you know, aside from some consistency question marks about safety, which I do think Rudy Ford has played very, very well this summer and has earned a starting safety spot alongside Darnell Savage, who hopefully has a comeback year here. Um, but outside of some consistency question marks about safety, the DB room is very deep and very, very talented. Like I said, led by one of the best corners in the game, Jair Alexander. They also have lots of length and ability to guard all types of wide receivers. So just kind of like I was just talking about with the weapons, you know, we're not all one tool or one size fits all. You know, we're not all just a bunch of track stars. We've got big guys. We've got small guys. We've got agile guys. We've got give them the ball in space and let them do work. Same thing with the secondary, man. I mean, from Rasul Douglas having the size that he has, Eric Stokes as well, right? And once he comes back from the pup list, he's going to be, I hope, as good and as exciting as he was his rookie year. But yeah, I, I really do think like those two guys having the length that they do, Jair and Keyshawn Nixon having the speed uh, and agility that they can play from the slot kind of, uh, it, it just gives us a lot of matchup um, or gives the other offenses that we'll be playing a lot of matchup problems. You know, when you can say, okay, maybe, maybe today we're going to throw Jair on the number two wide receiver for y'all because your number one's a big old dude and we're going to throw our biggest corner on him and we're going to double him over the top with our safety. Jair's going to take care of number two and boom, you know, not, not, but yeah, no, I, at the end of the day, um, I'm just super excited about this, this secondary man. And, uh, with it being led by Jair, you know, being one of the best corners in the game. Yeah. We, we've got potential, Super potential, guys. Um, and number five, the fifth takeaway from camp and preseason. For me, uh, yeah, it's special teams. You know, they better not be the downfall of this team. Rookie kicker Anders Carlson saved his summer by ending it on a high note with a monster 57-yard field goal and 47-yard, or excuse me, 57-yard and 43-yard field goal uh, in the Packers' last preseason game. But he's been terribly inconsistent throughout, you know, despite having a leg. Um, yeah, just super inconsistent, man. And, and, and uh, you know, the new punter, Daniel Whelan, or Whelan, uh, whose story is amazing, mind you. Um, you know, I just don't like having a rookie punter and a rookie kicker. There's just a lot of youth and inexperience among the specialists. And I've had PTSD before about special teams being the downfall of this team. And I just hope that that's not the case this year because there will probably be positions where Anders Carlson is going to be asked to say, you know, we need you to hit a game-winning field goal. Or we, Daniel Whelan, you know, we need you to, to back up the team and so we our defense has the best starting field position that they can have. Um, 
if shit goes awry and, you know, something happens where you are, the defense is, you know, the, the, the opposing offense is starting at our 40 because of a fucked punt or, you know, their own 40 because of a fucked punt. That's not good. That's not good. And and if Anders, Anders Carlson misses a fucking chip shot field goal for us to win a big game, that's going to hurt just as much too. So, yeah, I'm just really hoping that that doesn't come to bite us in the back um, this year, this year. But, you know, with that being said, my five takeaways as just a recap uh, from Packers camp and preseason is, number one, there's super supreme confidence in our quarterback room. Number two, our front seven looks ferocious. Number three is the plentiful amount of weapons we have on offense and the different types of weapons we have on offense is, is very intriguing. Uh, number four, our secondary is deep and can, can cause a lot of matchup problems. And number five is special teams better not be the downfall of this team. Uh, and then with that being said, let's just get to our keys of the, to the season. So like I said, you might be able to say that some of these are super basic. Um, and and you could say that it maybe applies to every team, you know, on a weekly basis. But I think the Packers can control this on a weekly basis. These three things, the talent will take care of itself. Everything else, um, coaching-wise, will take care of itself. So the first thing, the first key is we have to play to our speed. And when I mean when I say that, it's like we have to be on the same page on both offense and defense so that we play fast to our highest ability. Because once everyone starts moving as one, you know, the Packers have as much speed and versatility, in my opinion, as any team in the NFL. And like I said, this may come as an obvious key, you know, to winning anything. But given the youth and the first amount of firsts that we have with this team. It needs to be restated on a weekly basis, and it needs, we need to have that uniformity. We need to have that continuity start coming together so that we can be playing as fast as we can because guys being confused leads to guys getting injured, leads to guys not playing as fast as they can, can possibly play. And when I know that we've got guys like Christian Watson, like Jaden Reed, like Luke Musgrave, Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander, um, I mean, that's just to name some of the some of the fastest dudes I know on the team, right? Sean Gary, the speed to power. We just got to make sure that we're on the same page. And if we can do that, everything else will take care of itself. Number two is stop the fucking run. The amount of times that that the Packers defense has been okay, it's been serviceable in moments but has not been able to stop the run, and that's come to bite us in the ass, it's, it's just happened too many fucking times. And I need the Packers to stop the run this year. If they can stop the run, not only will the Packers have the ability to punish opposing defenses on the ground with our ground game, but we can parlay that with stopping other teams' run games, and boom. Now we are controlling the trenches both on the offensive line and the defensive line, and teams that do that are successful in this league 100% you take care of the trenches everything else it comes easier so that lets you know our defense on the back end play faster they're more aggressive why because the quarterbacks are getting pressured on third and long because we stopped the first and second down run or we stopped the first down run now they're in second and long we can send our pass rushers our corners can play faster our pass rushers know it's a passing down you know stuff like that 
So yeah, I think stopping the run is going to be crucial for this defense to have success this year because I know I've said we have a lot of talent, a lot of talent on that defense. It does not matter, though, if we cannot stop the run because teams will be able to dictate what they can and cannot do against us. Um, And number three, and this might be also a little bit obvious, but don't make Jordan Love be the superhero. And, And I'm not saying that he can't have those special moments and make those special plays, but taking the pressure off any starting quarterback helps everyone, right? Helps them as well, the quarterback, right? But given Jordan Love's situation, don't ask him to do everything unless he wants to. And if that's the case, <laughs> the Packers have gotten nothing to worry about. If Jordan's comfortable enough to say, yeah, I want to manage the protections. I want to be able to audible out of plays. I want to be able to have hot routes to my guys because I know I trust them. And I know when I send this signal right here, he's going to know what I'm talking about. There will not be a miscommunication and a costly turnover. So if Jordan Love is okay and comfortable with doing all that, and it seems like he can be, you know, I've seen some checks in the preseason. I've seen some, you know, things that it looks like, hey, I'm calling out the mic here at the line, this, that, the third. If he's comfortable enough to do all of that, the Packers got nothing to worry about. And this might as well not even be a key to the season because Jordan Love might just be our superhero. But, but, with that being said, I still need to see it to believe it in the regular season. I need to see some consistency, like I said, as well. And, yeah, I just think taking some of the pressure off of him can help him get to that point. So, yeah, with that being said, the last three or the only three keys to our season, to the Packers having a successful season, is playing to our speed and being on the same page. Uh, Number two, stopping the run on defense. And number three, don't make Jordan Love be the superhero. Um, And and like I said, some of these might come as super basic, but this being a young team, being an inexperienced team, um, you know, certain things need to be reinstated like that because it's not the talent that's holding us back. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for that. And, yeah, with that being said, I mean, there's not really a whole lot else I kind of wanted to go over here. But I'm super stoked for the Bears week one. I think, you know, I had come into you know, preseason and, and training camp, you know, a little less um, optimistic as I am right now about where the Packers offense could be week one, where it might start the season looking like. And I still have the Packers starting two and three before their bye week. And and that official prediction might change in the next week. I don't want to say that it will, but it might. It might. But I am sticking to my guns on my original original prediction. And that is, you know, the Packers don't get it done at Soldier Field week one. And they even don't get it done in Atlanta week two against the Falcons. So that starts 0-2, right? They make up for it. They beat the Saints at home with an Alvin Kamara-less Saints offense. And then they have a short week at home against the Lions. They don't win that. They're not on the Lions level yet. Lions level yet at that point. And then they go on and they win week five at the Raiders. uh, Excuse me, not at the Vegas Raiders. Um, Yeah, before their bye week. So they're two and three in my humble opinion. That was me two months ago. And it might change. It might change in this next week. I don't want to say for certain because I don't want to get too ahead of my myself. But I think at the end of the day, we're a 10-7 and 7 football team. And if that means we win the division, that means we win the division. 
But I think 10-7 is going to be good enough for us in the NFC to get into the playoffs. And like I said, whether that's winning the division or not, um, if it is winning the division at 10-7, and seven, I think we could be the third seed in the NFC. Seriously speaking, because the NFC South is, is just a joke right now. And, and I really don't know if a team in that division is going to win a double-digit win count, have, have one. So... If the Packers win 10, and se- 10, 10 games and they're 10-7 and seven, they win the division, that, that could be good enough for the third seed in the NFC, which would be enormous as a number, uh, you know, as the first season for Jordan Love. But, yeah, I'm extremely excited for this, guys. Um, and there will be some uh, information coming out soon about my live podcast uh, game, I guess, reaction for week one, where I will be posted up at Mills Modern Social on Broadway and Mill. If you don't already know about it, it's got the best damn bar food in Tempe. And it is not an official Packers bar, but we're trying to get as many Packers fans as we can out there. NFL fans, whoever, man, bring them all out. If your team's playing on Sunday, which it probably most likely will, um, come out to Modern Social and have a great time, man. We'll be posted up there, or I'll be posted up there with some Packers fans and Bears fans around 1.30 p.m. Uh, and yeah, we're going to be doing a live podcast reaction for week one of the Bears. Hopefully, like I said, it's not like how my prediction was you know, thought to be two months ago and being a little bullish here and with the Bears taking week one. But I am, I would say, pretty confident now that I think the Packers can get it done and... Yeah, I think Jordan Love can play really fucking well. So if that is what happens, you're going to see me having a good old dang time. And Bears fans going to be just, you know, mourning another lost season um, with, with no hope. So <laughs> hopefully that's the case, guys. But until then, I appreciate all you guys' love and support. Seriously, this is TJ Hayes, the Stallion. Um... And yeah, this is the first episode, the conclusion of Enemy Territory.